Hi, this is Dan Z from Coffee with Kenobi, and if you listen to one podcast this week, well, you should listen to Coffee with Kenobi, but if you listen to two podcasts this week, listen to the Rebel Base Card Podcast. If they don't go for this, we're going to have to get out of here pretty quick, Chewie. You found something. You found the Rebel Base Card Podcast. What a piece of junk. I'm your host, Greg McLaughlin. Just as clumsy as he is stupid. Join me as we discuss Star Wars trading cards and card collecting. We need a statement, not a manifesto. We'll talk about sets from the original vintage. No, no, the one I'm pointing to. All the way to current releases. This? Yes. All right, let's get started. Commence primary ignition. Welcome back, or if this is your first episode, welcome aboard. My name is Greg McLaughlin, and this is the Rebel Base Card Podcast. Well, this is the Rebel Base Card Podcast on vacation. Uh, it is spring break for my little one, and so we're going to try to do some traveling. Um, it was also the same weekend as Gary Con, and that is here in Lake Geneva. That's where I'm talking to you from here at the moment. This is the birthplace of Dungeons and & Dragons and TSR Hobbies. Uh, this is the annual event to kind of celebrate Gary Gygax, the creator of Dungeons and & Dragons, and for a lot of folks to get together and you know play their favorite RPG. Uh, there's a little bit of miniatures going on. There's all kinds of stuff. There is a healthy uh, vendor area. Uh, a few artists on hand. I did see some art of Larry Elmore and some of the other folks as well. So, you know, for me, I'm, right, I'm on vacation. This is not necessarily Star Wars, but it is kind of fun to go around. It's nice to hang with Tom Gross and Dan Ream of Teachers in the Dungeon, and I kind of wanted to sit in on their session as they talk about running these summer camps for kids because they have a very healthy you know, gaming community at Washington Community High School, and uh, you know, their mission uh, at this particular con was to kind of give a session and talk to you know, would-be folks who run groups to see this is how you could do it, these are some of the things we see, and uh, I do believe that they'll be doing this session at other cons as well, and I'll let Tom Gross get into that. Uh, you, of course, know Tom Gross from Coffee with Kenobi as well, and he's been on the podcast before, and we were here last year, so it was fun to get a chance to see him go from you know gamer to presenter at this one, and while he is in there uh, actively gaming at this time, I had a chance to kind of slip away and uh, have a chance for us to talk to a few minutes before we get started. So in this episode, which like I said, is more of a vacation episode for you and for me, uh, we're going to talk to, like I said, Tom and Dan of Teachers in the Dungeon. I also had a chance to talk with Dave and Jim from Smuggler's Coffee. They were in, they kind of do these kind of really great homebrewed coffees and some of them in the theme, they have this art of like, you know, Dungeons and Dragons and uh, Star Wars and whatnot. And uh, it was really, really cool. And uh, they were able to give us some of their time. And of course, you know, we've got C2E2. We're right on the edge of it. And uh, swag packs ready to go. So at any rate, all right. So uh, in light of, you know, vacation and so forth, I would say that we will forego homestead keeping this episode uh, this will also be a shorter one but i would say it's a, a decent time you could get through it on a on a decent commute and i hope you enjoy this audio and uh i'll see you on the other side hi everyone i'm bobby sussman and i'm nadia kovacs we're the galaxy edge explorers and you are currently listening to the rebel base card podcast great pull kid we're in attack position now sir hold here we're not going to attack. I have my orders from the Emperor himself. He has something special planned for me. 
We only need to keep them from escaping. You know, normally when I go to a con, it's a lot more chatty, and there's a great bit of ambient noise, but I'm, I have a lot of eyes staring at me right now. <laughs> but I am with Tom Gross, Coffee with Kenobi, but here, it's only teachers in the dungeon. I want you to talk, if you would. Uh, one, it's great to see you. Yes. But talk to me about what's happening here today. So we're at GaryCon, Lake Geneva, Wisconsin. Thanks for coming. Appreciate it. Um, and yeah, representing uh, as co-host of Teachers in the Dungeon, I am presenting today with my other co-host, Dan Ream. Um, we're going to talk about our, um, our RPG summer camp that we host at our high school. And we feel like we've got a really good model for that. And we wanted to come to GaryCon and share that model. Um, for lots of reasons, but the main one is I want to get teenagers into the fold of RPG games. And so if we can encourage other people who have uh, that outlet to students, whether it's teachers, someone that works at a uh, park district, a public librarian, um, maybe even someone from a church who is looking for a way to reach out to students and make connections with them, but also to, uh, to teach them a way to play games that have a lot of skills in it. And so we've got this model and we want to share it with people. Give me the eleva elevator pitch about what this does for a student, especially in this day and age. We know growing up playing D&D, you know, what it did for us, but what could it do for a student who's either new or would like to, but just doesn't, just doesn't understand what the benefits are to them? Mm -hmm. So. We actually, we in our presentation, we um, interviewed a couple of our students that were at the camp, and I think they did a marvelous job of sharing what spoke to them. And so one thing that role-playing games does is it creates community. It connects kids together who, you know, maybe they were friends already, but a lot of times RPG games bring a lot of kids from a lot of different walks into one game, gives them a common language, gives them a common goal, and they make those connections, whether just as gamers or a lot of times those develop into friendships. So that's one thing. And uh, the other is just learning how to collaborate with one another, playing the game, um, learning how to collaborate, learning how to discuss, learning how to problem solve. Those are all super important skills for our kids. I mean, really, for us as adults as well. I mean, it's, it's part of that process of growing up. And so I feel like those are skills that RPG games teach. And, um, and, it, and to me, that's a worthy cause. Now, you know, we didn't have to worry about the digital element in growing up. Basically, you bought graph paper, pencils, and your dice. <laughs> yes. Uh, when you have phones and things like that, not that I'm kind of railing against social media or anything like that, but attention spans. I know to, uh, when I was thinking of coming up going, the prospect of sitting down two to three hours at a stretch, you know, mm -hmm. and not trying to multitask something. What are some of the things that either you have to gently teach or overcome or just say, you know what, we have to incorporate this into our scheme so that way there's enjoyment, but they also can practice patience, as it were. Sure. Well, I, I mean no pun here, but that is the magic of RPGs. It's a, it's a combined storytelling activity. And so if the story is driving forward, the kids have no interest in anything else except what is going on at the table. And so technology kind of fades to the background. Now, when things slow down or in, in the case where you're in combat or something like that and you have a lot of people at the table, that's where I start to see some phones come out and, and kids check. So one thing we do in our game club is 
no no phones at the table. You mm. put you put your stuff away. You're you're present in that moment and playing the game. Um, but one thing, uh, as times have changed and uh, um, we've moved into this age of technology, is RPG games like uh, or companies like Dungeons and Dragons, uh, uh, Paizo, Pathfinder. Those they have their own apps, and so you know a lot of kids are creating their characters on D&D Beyond. And so they, they're using the technology as a tool to not have to carry around, you know, 30 books. And even, you know, you can even roll dice on D&D Beyond. But there's also, you know, in technology, dice rollers. And um, and some kids even want to be like, can I play some ambient music on my phone? And uh, and so it's a, it's a double-edged sword. Again, no pun intended with fantasy role-playing. But, well done, by the way. Uh, thank you. Um, but... It can be a distraction, but the technology can also kind of add to the game as well. You mentioned social media. You know, it's a great way for kids to share what they're doing, to share their uh, their storytelling skills, share their uh, you know the things that they're doing at the table. It's part of that. You know, when we finish playing a game, you kind of sit back and you share those stories back and forth. You know, I, I see students sharing their those stories on social media. Um, so to me, that's a positive use of social media where they're, they're sharing cool and fun things that they're doing in a positive way. And so if RPGs help them to express themselves that way on social media, more power to it. Do you think now, recently you and Dan got to go to the screener of the Dungeons and the Dragons movie, and I am kind of curious, do you see that as sort of a help or hindrance? Does it get in the way? How do you feel that film kind of fits in either introducing someone to the game or fortifying their passion for Dungeons & Dragons or any RPG? So for someone who's never played the game, and I don't know, do you want to get in on this, Dan? <laughs> Dan is here, uh, so I don't know if you want to get in. But for someone who's never played the game, I think, I think the way that the movie is put together, it presents sort of the ideas of you know what is what is it like at the table that's one thing that the movie does really well is it grasps on to the to the gist of like what a game is like sort of the fun aspects but also some of the tension and things like that and so i th- i i would think that after watching this movie someone who's never played the game i think it'll i think it'll pique curiosity um, of like, well, that was kind of fun. Those characters are in the game. And I can like shapeshift or I can, you know, um, carry an awesome sword or a big axe and I can, you know, really uh, kick some butt. Um, but for those that play the game, it really develops that image in your head of what, what a world of Dungeons and Dragons looks like. And so when I sit at the table as a dungeon master, I might have some new ideas in my head as to, what I might describe, um, or uh, or as a player, I have an idea of, of how to describe what my character is doing. Um, I don't know. I think a side benefit to it is is seeing dialogue and how characters talk to one another, and so you might see more of that uh, first person dialogue instead of me just sitting back saying, "Well, my character is going to do this." I've seen it now in a movie, and now I might say well, I, I think we should do this or we should do that. And you're speaking as the character. I don't know, Dan, what do you think uh, as far as the movie? I would agree. I think I think the creators really threaded the needle and created a movie that people with no understanding of D&D at all can go in and enjoy. 
and I think veteran players go in and they see they see things and can I mean I know I did and thought oh that is a combat that's that is a, a visualization of how a combat would actually work at the table and this is what it would look like and oh there's the character that the DM brought in to help out when needed and so I think they did a really good job with that I I would hope that it would I, if this movie doesn't get more people interested then I don't think any movie could that's probably the best way to put it you know, and seeing how in the movies of the 80s, like first off, the, the cartoon, the, the D&D cartoon, which was, I think, depending on what age, hits you at a different point. And even some of like uh, Dragon Slayer, things like that, where you want that aspect, but you also, you also kind of want it treated with respect. Right. Right. They definitely do that. The, the actors are all in and the, the script is good. It is, it is meant to entertain, full stop. There's no agenda. There's, it's just a really well-constructed movie from, from script to directing to acting to CGI. Just very well done. And I would say as, as a player in regards to the respect of the movie, um, I definitely felt like as a player it was a tip of the hat to what we do. Um, as Dan said, everybody seems on board with how the game works and how you can portray a story like this up on a screen. I can't wait for people to see it. I can't wait to sit down with some players that we play with and watch the movie and uh, and just sort of laugh along with it, be able to talk about. And that's one thing that we, we found is when you finish the movie, you want to talk about it just like you talk about the game that you play right. when you finish the game. And so they nailed it. What's interesting is that seeing, you know, you see like right now, it's or it's getting ready to be in theaters, but we happen to be sitting in you know hallowed ground for Dungeons and Dragons players. This is the birthplace of D and D, and so you know, isn't it? it it's almost kind of like you have to take your head off whenever you cross into Lake Geneva. What does it mean, kind of not just presenting this material, which is your first time, but doing it here of all places? Oh, I mean, <laughs> this it's great. You know, it's so cool to think that Dungeons and Dragons. The ideas of that came together in this location, um, and you know we've we've read several books on the history of Dungeons and Dragons. There's a great one out there by Ben Riggs that uh, kind of paints a really clear picture of this. And so when you come to Lake Geneva, you see the street names, you see you know you see the houses and the Expo Hall where the very first Gen Con. Um, was held and you go down to the lakefront where there's the the brick in memory of Gary Gygax and you know even walking around the halls here you could come across his son Luke Gygax mm -hmm. and and a dozen or more people that were there when the game got its role in in you know the 1970s uh, Dave Arneson Larry Elmore um, oh I mean there's there's just so many of them here that you can walk up to and talk to about what was it like, you know? And so, so just being here and being able to share a presentation like this in the, in, like you said, the birthplace of Dungeons and Dragons, it's a total honor. Let's talk for a moment about the presentation you're going to be giving soon. Um, what kind of things like when you're doing it, are you, I'm assuming you're doing it together? Yes. Okay. Yes. Can you talk about how you're going to be presenting and what kind of each party is doing today? I'm going to start with you, Dan. 
So the summer camp was Tom's brainchild. So he's he's doing the heavy lifting today. He he's got it all in his mind, so he'll be able to sort of flesh out everything that needs fleshing out. My role is, I think, to be sort of the transitioner, mm. sort of place to place. And I'll just add, I, 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 I'll be very blunt. Um, it is nice to be here to present, but I'm not sure, I'm not sure we're going to have much of an audience, to be honest. Gary Khan is a gamer convention. You come to play. You don't come to network. You don't come to demo new games, really, although you can a little bit. Mm -hmm. So people are here. That's what they want to do. Uh, I, I think I'm excited to, to whoever comes, I'm excited to share this with. But if we don't get much of an audience, I, I'm not going to take that personal because, like I said, this, these hours are precious and these guys want to be, they want to be uh, rolling up characters. They want to be... Uh, finding getting killed by Cthulhu or whatever and so there's a lot to do here but I would say on that before I get your get your thoughts on this Tom that if you're trying to to workshop a presentation this may be the perfect place because in on one hand you can go through and do it and you know at the end of the day to get it done you know regardless of that now granted you know I, you know we're talking about uh, like some of the stuff at steam and Star Wars where the president you know the audience members weren't not necessarily that great mm -hmm. however the content itself was fantastic and this might be just the just the perfect place to go you know if we want to take this on a bigger stage where we know we're going to have people this is where we want to cut our teeth yeah uh and, and to dan's point yeah, i think the audience will be small they're they're you know they're uh they're pre-signups and things like that and and it's a limited number but again if it's one person, if it's 10 people, to get that message out and try to get them to, not try to get them to, but give them that model as to how to do something like this. So also, uh, building off of something Dan said, if, if, this, if this camp was my brainchild, it took people like Dan and several others to make it happen. Um, I feel like I'm, I'm very good at the ideas and throwing that kind of stuff out, but sometimes I need people with boots on the ground. It's not something you can do um, well by yourself. I suppose I could have, but it takes the motivation of others sometimes to sort of nudge you along and push you along. So, um, so yeah, I think, you know, when it comes to the presentation, I think we've got, uh, Dan's being pretty humble. I think we've got probably equal amounts of things to say about it from our experience doing it as well as to planning it. Cause we really collaborated in the planning as well. And so looking forward to sharing it and, uh, and seeing, you know, the other part of a presentation is audience participation and, mm -hmm. and you do the Q and A or you just put up front at the very beginning and say, Hey, if we say something that you got a question about, just let us know. Or if you get something to add to that, you know, there's always the hope that maybe someone else has done something like this and, and they bring their experience here to hear, but also to share. And so, you never know what you're going to get in something like that. All right. We'll probably be talking on the other side of this so we can let you guys finish prepping for. However, um, what would be what would be the, the biggest takeaway from this particular panel you would say to somebody who, you know, like I said, may not be here in attendance, but is interested in maybe getting something organized? What's the big takeaway for them? Wow, that's a great question. Um, I, <laughs> honestly, it's just doing it. 
you know, mm-hmm. just just say you got the idea. As I mentioned, find people that can help you make it happen. That to me is the big is the biggest takeaway because from that first time you do it, you're going to learn and move forward with it. So get it started. And I would say leverage leverage your own interests and abilities. So we did with when we looked at the seminars and things for the breakout sessions for the students. I just started with what do I like to do? What could I actually present to them? And then build out from there. Excellent. All right, we're going to catch you on the other side, finish a little business, but good luck with the presentation. Oh, thank you so much. Hi, this is Mark Newbold from Panther Tracks, and you're listening to the Rebel Base Card Podcast. Great pull, kid. We would have lost, plus we wouldn't have the space for it. So we did it right I just wanted to give you school. a little bit of so the audio from this, just to kind of give you an idea of how the session um, went. And we, uh, that, one thing I really liked is how engaged uh, the folks, the audience were, so that for us. and those are the back and forth conversation was really quite good. And we'll get to our conversation with Tom on the outside. you got to really look at that school summer schedule to see where are the kids available. So I'll let you Hey, this is artist and author Cameron Johnson, and you are listening to the Rebel Base Card Podcast. Great pull, kid. So after getting a chance to talk with Tom post-session, we took to the show floor, and, you know, I'm kind of there as, in some cases, a spectator, but, you know, it's fun to, you know, watch everybody interact with one another you know Tom was kind of talking to a bunch of folks uh, from different booths and so forth and we ended up at Smuggler's Coffee and Dave and Jim who were there uh, couldn't help but get out the mic and ask them a couple of questions and they were very kind and gave me uh, a few minutes of their time all right something that always draws me is coffee Uh, I have Jim with me can you talk to me about Smuggler's Coffee and uh, it's to me one of the probably the best outside of maybe the soap one of the best smelling things at this convention well I'm not the I'm not the best person to talk to about it obviously Dave is the best person to talk to about it but it is definitely a labor of love that you know I mean caffeine and and tabletop games is they go together and you know what better way than to have like game themed coffees because you know people see the art and they recognize it and they they get drawn to it and then once we explain the coffees to them they they just they buy it it's you know it's it's great stuff I think it's just got to be fun though because it's something you don't expect and that's something when you're coming to a convention like this it just it's so pleasing it's just so much fun oh yeah no it's definitely uh, we get a lot of double takes like people go by the booth once and like look and then they'll walk by and then we see them come back later and it's like okay we we were just double checking you're selling coffee yes we're selling coffee so yeah <laughs> could you just rattle off a couple of the names of the brands just because they're just amazing oh uh, there's the uh, Tuma Caffeination there's Legend there's uh, uh, Smordor Calling uh, uh, Star Fuel which is one of the new ones that just dropped here at, uh, at, the, at the con uh, we've also got one that's uh, based on Mirrorscape, who's out in uh, out in Vendor Hall, uh, demoing their stuff. Um, yeah, we, I mean, we've got all kinds. We've got everything from light roast to dark roasts, decaf to heavily caffeinated, and uh, we've got several uh, barrel aged uh, coffees, you know, bourbon barrels and whiskey barrels. So, can you talk to me about? 
Smuggler's Coffee? How does this thing get put together? How do you get into this? So Smuggler's Coffee was actually, um, it was going to be a Star Wars themed. Uh, we were going to call it a brew hope, but um, I didn't want to like stay pigeonholed because I have so many favorite things like Dungeons and Dragons, um, just big nerds. So um, we kind of changed it up to smugglers because, you know, Han Solo is a smuggler. There's smugglers in Dungeons and Dragons. So we kind of like went with the whole thing. So um, we just started roasting coffee about six years ago and it's kind of taken off and uh, it's been great. So obviously you were at a con and, you know, you, you kind of find yourself unique amongst the other vendors. Yeah. Uh, do you have goals or what, what do you try to do in an event like this? At an event like this, I just try and get our brand out there. Um, just let people see all the nerdy coffees that we do and uh, just more like just getting the name out. So And also have the best smelling booth here. So. All right. What are some of the coffees that you're really high on or that you should say? Someone comes in and like these are a lot of choices. What do you recommend? So I always recommend our barrel-aged coffees because there's not a whole lot of people who do barrel-aging with the coffee. Um, it gives it a unique flavor. Like um, we do some bourbon barrels, so you're going to get like bourbon flavors with it. Um, we also do a rye whiskey one, so you get like a lot of those uh, rye whiskey flavors. Um, so I always try and uh, you know, show people that first because it's completely different. Um, it's not like a flavored coffee where you add like different oils or anything to it. This is all natural. The, the beans actually sit in a barrel and they just absorb all the aromas and they, it translates to the flavor. Um, other than that, I like to talk to people about like our Tomb of Caffeination, which is uh, kind of a play off of some old D&D &D artwork. Um, and a lot of times also we'll do um, like Dragonlance themed coffees because Dragonlance was like my entry into Dungeons and Dragons. Reading those novels really kind of, I almost say it inspired smugglers too because it was our like creativity. So we just became like very creative while playing D&D &D and it translates into our, our label art and stuff. So. And if someone who isn't here, Gary Khan, wants to get on some of this coffee, where can they where can they go and get some of this stuff? Um, so we have a website. It's uh, store.smugglerscoffee.com. And you can also follow us on all the social media. Just look at uh, Smuggler's Coffee. And uh, we're on uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and occasionally we also post on TikTok. Dave, thank you very much for spending a little time with me today. Thank you very much. Hey, this is Jalen Warner, and you're listening to the Rebel Base Pot. Re ah, Rebel Base Card. It's not as easy as it looks, is it? I, no, it's not. <laughs> Let's do that again. Oh, I'm keeping this one. Oh. <laughs> this is a, yeah. The one thing I found fascinating about your, you know, seminar was in in getting the camps ready, right? And I loved how you kind of broke it out. You had a schedule, but something that really clicked with me is you kind of have prepped for the audience, right? You talked about pre-generated characters. Yes. You know, and kind of scheduling them around. I, I, I want to see if you could just elaborate a bit on that because clearly this is not your first rodeo, but you know, even though there's more time in the summer, time is something that you're trying to be, you're on the clock as it were. Right, and so I'll, I'll work off of that. Uh, what the example you mentioned with the you know, pre-generated characters. One thing I've learned with working with students is the quicker you can get them into, <laughs> into playing, mm -hmm. the better. And so, uh, so that's why we started with the pre-generated characters. And, um, 
so that we can hand it to them. They, we kind of go over the character sheet with them and say, these are the things, we'll help you along the way, but just so you know, some highlights. And then we start playing. What's different about camp is, is these are students that were, our assumption is that they're a little more invested. And so we want to teach them and train them how to make a character because our next step is then getting them into making a backstory and things like that. So we try to keep that schedule for the students really kind of, you know, quickly moving along but giving them time to to think and work at the same time. The other thing I've noticed, and this is with my kids, I'm sure they're not the only ones. When you were talking about, like, when they're creating their character, I noticed that in, in video games of the last, you know, seeing my son and my daughter do it, they're completely engrossed in the customization of every aspect of that character. And, you know, we're used to jumping in with, like, oh, okay, that looks like that, and you're, you're going in. I think that that can kind of really derail. Like you'd almost have to have a complete day for someone to sit there and customize because they're so used to having exactly what they want and maybe even being frustrated that they can't, Mm -hmm. that that could really just derail it before it began. (laughs) I can totally relate. I don't remember what game it is, but when when you're curating your character, it goes down to like things like eye color and color of hair and how long your hair is. And quite frankly, as, as a video game player, now different generation than this year's, uh, this, you know, the kids these days, but I, I, I just want to start playing. And so one nice thing about the camp being over four days is we can kind of take the whole week to sort of flesh all of that out. Now, granted, each day in the afternoon they're playing. And so as we're going through all of that, that whole week, we're you know talking about we're talking about um, uh, creating your backstory. We're talking about you know drawing your character. We're talking about um, you know your character's role in a culture or on a map. Where do they come from? And so it's 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 a long game for them. And and I want them to understand that you can play this game without knowing all of that right away. Some DMs want it. Some DMs don't. But really, you can develop your character as you're playing. Um, you know, I go back to, you know, I, I played first edition Dungeons and Dragons as I believe you did probably as well. And that was like zero characterization. It was, I'm a fighter, I'm a magic user, I'm a thief, let's go into a dungeon and let's just clear it out. And you never really thought about like, who am I? Like, where, where do I come from? And all that kind of stuff. So that's, that's a new, really cool aspect of Dungeons & Dragons. But like you said, for some kids, you know, a 14, 15-year-old, that's, that's like really in the weeds when they just want to roll dice and get a picture in their head of what things look like. So we do try to teach that. It is a, you, the development of your character takes time. I also love that in your talk today, you had almost the perfect clientele. You had a, a, a guy who was you know, from San Francisco who was running you know, a club, and you know, some of those students were a little challenging. I love the back and forth. What did you think about you know, like having that kind of just interaction and hearing the stories from somebody else who's kind of doing the same thing? That's exactly what I was hoping for, to be honest with you. Uh, it was great to have him there. Um, you know, we even, he came a little early, so we started that discourse uh, right away. So we got about an extra 10, 15 minutes with him. And he, I, I, at one point I even said, I think you should come up here <laughs> and I'll go sit out in the audience. Cause not, not because he's taking over, but because he was really knowledgeable. And I think I learned as much from him, if not more than he learned from us. Uh, so 
and that's you know coming from the education world that is that is like gold you know to to learn yeah i I just i've never been the kind of teacher that is i'm the sage on the stage i know everything i'm going to tell you everything i know and you're going to walk away a smarter person that's not that's not how i've ever looked at education and it's it's a two-way street and so he was sharing all sorts of cool things that he was doing with his kids now his kids his kids are younger he has uh, elementary to kind of middle school kids where we work primarily with high school kids so it's interesting to share those ideas back and forth and figure out how to i saw him his i saw his wheels turning a couple times when we were talking about like you know, uh, one of them was, you know, do we bring in incoming freshmen or do we let seniors that have graduated come back? His, his wheels are turning on that one to think, like, how do I include more kids but without overwhelming, you know, too, too much? And so I, I was so appreciative of him coming in. And we had a couple other people in the audience who were asking some really sharp questions who work with adults. I don't even know if work with adults other than just play with other adults. And they're pointing out some like issues, that, not issues, but some observations they made of playing with, with adults. And they brought that up with us. I mean, the key one was, what do you do with, with a player who just seems uninterested? And I, I, loved, I loved how it kind of went around the whole room, but basically came down to three things that I wrote down. And, and I, I think when we go to Gen Con with this presentation, I'm going to put this slide in because it's, it's you know, st- students who seem disinterested at the table. Um, the key thing in my mind that I've always thought is, hey, they are here. So even if they're doodling, even if they're reading a book, even if they're just sort of hand you know head in hand just sort of spacing out they're there for a reason and so we all process things differently you know they may be making the picture in their head and just thoroughly enjoying that without sharing much you know they're just rolling dice and participating that way but i liked all the ideas on the other side you know keep them involved ask them questions keep them involved even if they give a short answer then you know that they're they're on target check in with them you know, hey, how's it going? You know, during breaks and things like that, or even after the session, how did you like? How did did you have fun? That that's something I always ask my high school kids at the end of every session. Are you guys having fun? You know, and and obviously, I shouldn't say obviously, but they're always like, oh yeah, that was cool. Yeah. But but you know, hopefully a student that maybe is feeling outsider, or at least that that lets them know that we as the DM or as the adult in the room care about them and care about how they feel, even if they don't share that. And so, so yeah, that, that discourse with the audience, I thrive on that. I also love the key question of money, and this goes even back to when we were playing as kids. You're very excited about it. You are wanting to tell the world that I play D&D. You want to get your friends involved, but there is a monetary cost. And you know, I remember getting some pushback from parents going, wait, what are you trying to tell my kids to do? You're trying to make them spend, you know, so yeah. I think that is very critical in this because once again, you're in the same boat. I'm excited about this. You know, there's a great value for it, but I love how you set it up as far as like, look, I've got everything provided for you. If you want to, great. And then you also brought in Zeke's where it was kind of like, look, I love those disclaimers because that can really protect you and a would-be club organizer. Yeah. So as a librarian, <laughs> I love to provide. And so with the game club, one of my, my first things to do, and I wondered if I'd get administrators coming and saying, wait, you're buying Dungeons & Dragons 
rule books for the library? Tell me about this. But no one has ever questioned me, which I, as a, as a, a teacher slash librarian in a school that has administrators, they have never questioned me. In fact, one thing I didn't get to talk about today because we, we, we had such great discourse that we had to kind of rush the end of our, our plan presentation is that I, when we were doing the summer camp, is I brought some of our stakeholders in. We had a brand new superintendent. It was like her first three or four days on the job at our school, and she holds the purse strings. Now, this was not trying to, you know, do, I just want to show what we're doing. You know, I wasn't asking for money or anything from her, but I just wanted to know her to know this is what the kinds of things we do at our school. So I brought her up and I gave her a tour while the games are going on. And I pointed out, I said, you know, this student over here leading, that's an alumni. They came back to do this. These students here, and, and in couple groups, I was able to say, you know, this student is, you know, in, in regular track classes, this student's an honor student, this student is a valedictorian candidate, and they're all sitting at the same table participating on equal, on equal grounds. And, and I, I think that's important um, to show the stakeholders, especially if you're in a school, a, a public library, a, um, you know, a park district, a church, show the people that are in charge what you're doing. I think a lot of times in my in my world of school librarians, we, we're kind of like, I don't want anyone to really see what I'm doing because what if they criticize? It's fair. That's a valid concern. But the way I look at it is I know I'm good at doing good things. I know I'm doing the right thing. And so I want those people here to see that. The transition to budget that you're talking about is say say this year for my summer camp i'm falling a little bit short for what i want I'm, i could potentially go to those administrators and say here's where i am are you aware of any grants or do we have any budget that's that's sitting out there that has been unspent that we could use and um i don't think i'm in a state that i need to do that at this point but you never know um so and then on the other point you were making about we do have a local game store in our community and and i want to promote him and one of the things I've always thought, and, and you know, I come from the business world before education, and so I, I, I have a clear understanding of this two-way street. I help you, you help me, and we support each other. Um, so, you know, I want to drive business for my local game store. First of all, as, as an individual, I'm a gamer. I want him there because he, he has the stuff that I need and I want to buy. But he also builds a community of gamers within our community. And so I want my students to be a part of that. The caution is, is that I have a student go and say to parents, well, my librarian or my teacher said that I have to go here and buy this book that's $50, or I have to buy these two books that add up to $100, and they said I have to do this if I, if I want to play the game. <laughs> that, that, could, that, could not be, that, that could potentially be really bad for me. So what I always tell the kids is I say, we have a local game store, if you weren't aware. And, and we always want to try to support our local game stores. Number one, I have everything you need to be able to play the games that we play. I have player's handbooks here. I have dice here. I have maps here. I've got everything that you need. If you want to build your own collection or start playing outside of our game club and you'd like to buy these books, I would ask you to consider purchasing local from our game store. However, I understand money's an issue, and if you have to go to Amazon to save $20 or 15 20%, you have to do that. But look for ways to make a balance between I'm going to save some money and I'm going to support my local guy. 
And so, you know, I like to have those conversations with the kids because then they're like, well, gosh, why do I pay so much more here locally than on Amazon? Then I say, well, when you have a question about Dungeons and Dragons or you have a special order, can you go to Amazon and ask those questions? Not really. You can go into your local game store and say, hey, how, do this, how does this spell work? Or, or do you have a group that I could play with or something like that? Amazon doesn't offer those things. And that's the community I'm talking about that a local game store brings. So, you know, and, and I love having those conversations with students because they're like, oh, I see. And so we talk about saving money versus supporting someone that's going to give you added benefits. And so, so yeah, I, those are conversations I love to have. Let's talk about Teachers in a Dungeon. And, you know, as last year when we were able to convene here, uh, you know, you're here... You know, you're here for the duration, playing a lot of games. Here, you're taking a, an additional step. What's it kind of feel like in the progression of the podcast and what you're doing as far as, like, do you feel like this we're getting on the right track and this is something that we want to continue and where could this go? Yeah, so when we came last year, we were about a year and a half old as a, as a podcast. Now, obviously, we're one year older. And, uh, and so when we came to GaryCon last year, we didn't know what to expect. And it's a very different convention than, say, like Star Wars Celebration or C2E2 or Indiana Com- uh, Comic Con. Because at GaryCon, when, when it's in the middle of the day, when most conventions are at their biggest and the crowded and all that, GaryCon sort of gets quiet because everybody's in rooms or ballrooms playing games. And that's very different from anything. And so we came to network here, and we got some of that done. Um, and so coming back, it's it's really neat seeing people that we saw last year that maybe we talked to on the podcast over you know throughout the year, but coming back and being able to be like, oh hey, how are you doing? You know this and that. And uh, you know one of the vendors in the exhibit hall that were a Kickstarter last year, I touched base with them as I saw him yesterday, and I said, well, how are things going? And he's like. He says, we have 15 employees now. We've got this. Our, our, our app is developing. This is Mirrorscape I'm talking about. You know, our app is developing. It can do this, and it can do this now. And I'm like, that is super cool. I said, we need to get you on the show to talk about that. I said, you know, you've grown. We've grown. We give you a new kind of bigger audience. And so, uh, and so that, that kind of stuff is cool. And you, you know how that works. You know, you go back to the same cons. You see the same people. And just that that relationship builds and uh, when we talk about that two-way streets of you know what I do for you you do for me um, I I just think that's that's a lot of fun and doing teachers in the dungeon um, you know it it changes my perspective as a gamer um, because I go from just the enjoyment of the game to the enjoyment of the game and connecting people. It really brought that to my forefront. And I always saw, you know, when we sit around the table, we're playing as friends, and we're maybe we bring a new friend into the fold, and so they become part of our group and part of our friends. But it's even bigger than that, because it's, it's not just the people that write the books, it's the artists that, that, that paint the picture or draw the picture that's in the book. It's the person who says, oh, that's a cool book of monsters, I'd like to make a book of monsters for DMs to use. And so now you have a third party. And so those all are connectors. And then we have podcasters who like to talk about it and analyze games or, or, or interview these people and find out, oh, why did, how did you get into art? And how did you get, find, end up in Dungeons & Dragons art? And just hearing the stories. You know, 
drink. That's really what it comes down to. As as podcasters, uh, you know, we're former radio guys too. It's really sharing stories, and and I feel like that just makes everything, I don't know, richer. Uh, not monetarily, but just in that relationship or in that understanding and and uh, and support of what we all do as a community. So it's it's been a great ride. I'm so glad that Dan came along with me to build this podcast. I couldn't have done it solo like you. I have so much respect for you as a solo podcaster, but it's great that we share we share a lot of the duties that, that you have to do. You know that you do as a solo person. But I'm so thankful that he 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 saw my idea, kind of like the summer camp. I said, "Hey, let's do a summer camp to, to develop DMs, to give kids more skills." And he's like, "Okay, that sounds good." Hey, let's start a podcast to talk about DD. And he's like, "Okay, that sounds good." And so he's more boots on the ground, and I'm more the ideas guy that says, "What if? What if? What if?" And and uh, and so it's it's been a blast. I I love doing teachers in the dungeon. Yeah, are you getting? Are you going to try to put together one, or do you? Are you going to end up with so much material? Are you going to have multiple shows out of this convention? Yeah. Uh, so going forward in this convention, last night. So this is day two. Last night we put together a recap show, and and at Gen Con we did this last year. We're planning it this year is to just do a recap show at the end of each night. Uh, the basic format of that is just because, as you see now. Dan and, and our friend Marcus, they, they went someplace else. We're here. And so I, yesterday I, I saw Dan when we got here and registered, and then I saw him when we got to the hotel. So, so it, was, it was fun to sit down and say, okay, what, what did you do? What games did you play? Who did you see? Who did you talk to? So we do that. And then last night our big question was, what's your, what's your general impression of, of Gary Khan this year? Um, I'm not sure what our general question will be tonight, but certainly I look forward to hearing about the games that Dan's going to play today. I want to talk about the games that I'm going to play today. In fact, I only have one scheduled game today, so it's going to be a light day for me so that I could have time to talk to you and kind of hang out with you. But yeah, so we'll be doing a um, recap shows each night, and then I think we're going to do, really it's your model, um, where we're going to take all of the interviews we do with vendors and players and some of the DMs that we've interviewed. Um, we're going to put together an interview show that will come out either next week or the week after uh, to kind of just just share their stories, promote their products. I mean, I, I talked to somebody who has a Kickstarter that's out for the next for the next six days, and they're just a little short. So I'm, I'm going to push that interview out to help them. Um, but I want to share all their stories, and so we're going to put together a compilation uh, uh, interview episode like, like you like you often do. All right, and lastly, uh, before we wrap things up and let you get back to it, uh, where can people find this, uh, find the podcast, find you guys online so that way they can kind of follow along? What do they catch up during, before, or after? Yeah, so uh, so the podcast itself, you can get on any podcast catcher. In fact, we just added ourselves to the Amazon, uh, the new newly created Amazon uh, podcast catcher. And if you are an Apple podcast, we'd love you to give us a, a rating and some feedback. Uh, just let us know what you think. If you're a first-time listener, if you've heard me on Rebel Base Card Podcast in the past and you listen to us, let us know what kept you sticking around, uh, if it, you know, whatever that is. So, uh, so we are Teachers in the Dungeon. On social media, on Twitter, we are at Dungeon Teachers because Teachers in the Dungeon is too long. Uh, so at Dungeon Teachers, we're on Twitter. But then we're also on Instagram and Facebook as Teachers in the Dungeon. 
All right, and it was a pleasure to get a chance to come up here today. Um, it's kind of fun because it's almost like a vacation, right? Where it's spring break, so everybody's kind of maybe taking a break a little bit from Star Wars to throw some dice in anger. <laughs> so this is a nice sort of a yes. nice vacation type uh, one, but I'll be excited to uh, see you again and uh, talk a little Star Wars. That sounds great. May the force be with you and keep rolling those 20s. <laughs> Can I offer you a libation? to celebrate the closing of our shared narrative. Once again, I want to thank all my guests who came on the podcast for this episode, and I hope you really enjoyed it. This has been a guest. When you're coming out to something like Gary Khan, like I said, it's not Star Wars, so it's going to be kind of weird in the feed, but it's almost like, since we're on spring break, a bit of a vacation. So uh, it was a pleasure to get a chance to not only talk to them, sitting in on the seminar, and it's just, I love hearing these kinds of stories in the community and people just doing what their passion is. All right, I'm going to let Card Squadron take it out, and we'll talk to you soon. The Rebel Base Card Podcast focuses on cards, collecting, and the Star Wars community, and appreciates you coming along for the ride. If you have any feedback for this episode, you can reach out to the program in a number of ways. You can leave a comment on the Instagram post for this episode. You can also DM Greg on Instagram at Rebel Base Card. Make sure to also follow the Rebel Base Card on Twitter and Facebook at Rebel Base Card. If you want, you can send an email to greg at rebelbasecard.com. And you can find show notes for this and all episodes on the website, rebelbasecard.com. In the Star Wars Card Trader app, and just about every other one, you can find Greg at CornFedTech. The Rebel Base Card uses the hashtag CardSquadron as a way to alert friends about cool cards and recent drops in the galaxy far, far away. It's a great way to bring our community a little bit closer together and help one another finish our sets in time. We collect, communicate, and commiserate. Well, at least when we run out of credits or crystals to spend on our digital collections. Join the fun, even if all the other cool squadron names were already taken. And remember, we collect as one and would be honored if you join us. And if you are a sketch card artist or Star Wars artist or collector, cosplayer, and want to talk about your work, your craft or passion, drop Greg a line. I'm sure he'd love to hear your story. You can also help the show by leaving a comment or review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you got this episode. Otherwise, the mission is clear. Keep those cards out of the hands of the Empire, and the Rebel Base card will return soon. The music for this podcast is brought to you under a Creative Commons license from Trent Reznor and Nine Inch Nails. This is Discipline, off the album The Slip. This podcast is not affiliated in any way with Topps, Disney, or Star Wars, nor is it endorsed by Disney or Lucasfilm, and is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. All names and sounds and any other related items are properties of their respective trademarks and or copyright holders here in the U.S. and abroad. The official Star Wars website can be found at www.starwars.com.